0: My name is Tamara Gober, and I'd like to personally welcome you to the Hope Community Podcast. Before we begin, if you live in the New York City area and are looking for a church home, I'd like to take this time to invite you to our services. For time and place, check out our website, hopecommunitynyc.com. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this message, and we truly pray you walk away looking more like Jesus. Right. well, if you guys would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 is where we're going to be today. Uh, 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. 17. We are finishing the second half of chapter 11. Uh, we got to look at the first half last week. If you missed that message, uh, please go back and uh, check that out. They're all available on YouTube or on our website. Uh, so you can go and check out those messages and uh, kind of keep up with what's going on. Because as we preach this, we see the train of thought that the Holy Spirit is given to Paul as he writes this letter. And so uh, we're following his train of thought in all of this, okay? Uh, so uh, last week we looked at um, a few things about kind of the order of worship. And uh, we looked into that odd passage where it's like, ladies cover your heads, men don't cover your heads. and uh, And so we kind of looked into that and uh, kind of explain what all of that meant, and then uh, today he's gonna continue uh, talking about the order of worship, and specifically he's going to talk to them about the Lord's Supper. We're gonna be taking the Lord's Supper here in a little while, um, but uh, we're gonna talk about it a whole lot before we do, and we're gonna look into this scripture, all right? So, our takeaway that I wanna have for today, kind of the overall uh, theme of this passage, if you will, Um, is kind of what I prayed just a little bit earlier. Uh, God doesn't ask for your lip service. He asks for your heart, all right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about the differences between what lip service is and what a true heart service is as well. Now, uh, Paul, um, he is going to say some pretty, uh, it's not really harsh, just some stern things uh, to this group of believers uh, in Corinth, all right? And so as we look into this, um, you know, a lot of times it's like, I just want to walk away, you know, encouraged. Now listen, sometimes conviction is the encouragement that we need, right? And so we're going to walk out of this. I walked away from doing this study and, uh, and going, wow, I am super encouraged because of the conviction that the Holy Spirit has brought to my own life. And so hopefully that's what we're going to walk away with today, all right? So, God never asks for our lip service. He wants our heart service. And we're going to see that theme all throughout Scripture as well. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse 17 uh, through 34. We're going to read the whole thing real quick. It's going to be up on the screen for you guys. And, uh, and then we will break it down a little bit, okay? Here we go. Verse 17, it says this. But in the following instructions... which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. So let's look into this, and let's really kind of break this down, and kind of talk about a few things. There's a few things that the Lord impressed on my heart uh, to share with you guys, and to kind of, you know, as um, the under shepherd, to kind of lead you guys in a specific way. So let's talk about uh, some things, because we could sit for literally weeks on this right here, and uh, and still probably not do it all justice. But um, we are going to just take today to do this. All right, so. Uh, in verse 17 uh, he says this in the following instructions I do not commend you listen to what he says because when you come together all right talk about the church coming together right for gathering when you come together it is not for the better but for the worse For in the first place when you come together as, as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you all right whenever I was in college, uh, there was a Christian band called Altogether Separate. Does anybody know that band or remember that band at all? All right, cool. That was like, you know, 2000, 2001, 2003, somewhere around there. Altogether together. Why are there smiles? Some of you young people are like smiling at me, right? Um, but this, this is a cool band. And I always remember the name Altogether Separate because I was like, that's not a thing right it's like all together separate but the whole purpose of that was is like we are a church body right that we're all together unified right but we're made up of individual believers we're made up of people with unique gifts and unique talents uh, to serve and all make up this one body and so i love that they named themselves all together separate now a great name for the church in corinth right here could be all together separate but for a different reason all right because what's going on is they are together, in they are meeting together, but they could not be more separated. If you guys remember back in chapter 1, whenever we looked into that, Paul had to get on them because they were, he was like, look, there are divisions that are going on among you guys. Some of you say that you follow Apollos, some are saying that you follow Paul, some are saying that you follow Peter, some of you saying that you're even following Jesus. And what it's done is it's caused a division. You guys remember whenever we talked about that. So we hit on division in chapter 1, and he's hitting on division again right here as well, all right? And he actually tells them this. When you meet together, more harm is done than good. That's not a good thing, right? That should not be how things go. And scripture seems to talk a whole lot about the importance of unity within the body of Christ. And we're going to look at some of those in just a second. And among God's people, and and it also speaks out strongly against division. And this is is one of those areas where he speaks out against division, all right? So two things this scripture is reminding us of after having been together, all right? So after we have been together, this is what should happen for us as a church, okay? Us now. Number one, we should walk away looking more like Jesus and not less, Not because of the message, although that helps, not because of the singing, although that helps, but because we have been together, because we have spurred one another on, we have come together in fellowship. You you look at me and you go, man, I don't see very many Christians in this city, but it's sure good to see one who loves Jesus. I look at you and say the same thing so that when I walk out of here, I don't live, I don't think, I don't feel like I'm so alone in a city because I know that I have my church family. And after we meet together, I know that I can walk out of here and I know that I can go out there and I can live this life for Christ, even though there's so much pressure against me doing that. And so I'm supposed to walk away looking more like Jesus from this. I'm not supposed to walk away looking less like Jesus. But this church in Corinth, they were walking away from their gatherings, and they were looking less like Jesus, right? So we're to spur one another on. You get out there. You do what you're called to do. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to do what I'm called to do. And then we're going to meet back up again after we've been beat up for a whole week again. We're going to come back together, and we're going to say, all right, we can do this. Let's stay in this. God is good. He is worthy. Let's continue on in this. And we spur one another on again. So we... We walk away looking more like Jesus. And then number two, uh, we should walk away unified. As a church family, we should not ever walk out of this room divided. And we're going to talk about the danger of division and kind of what scriptures say about division. But but we should walk out of here unified as a family. And we should walk out of here unified in our calling. We shouldn't walk out of here just going, okay, well now I'm going to go live the same life that I'm going to live. No, we walk out of here going, no. I'm going to walk out of here doing the same thing my brothers and sisters are doing, and that's going and reaching the lost road for Jesus. That's what we want to do, right? So we walk away unified in that calling as children of God, brothers and sisters. But as it happens far too often, Paul finds this church divided. And if we're honest, in our country, there are a lot of churches that would fall into that category, divided. I don't know how many times I have heard stories of churches um, who have, and, and my church, whenever I was in high school, experienced a, a huge church split because they were divided on different things. Like they, they could not get along. And so they were at each other and they were just bringing a spirit of division. And it was really, really sad. Um, and we can't think for a moment that we're above that as our church. I know that we're not divided as a church, right? But we can't think that we're above that. And we have to always stay diligent. To make sure that we stay unified as a body of believers here at Hope Community, all right? Um, and and here's the thing. is The reason that we have divisions is because we have a bunch of imperfect people, right? In a church. And whenever you bring a bunch of imperfect people together, look, marriage is hard enough, right? You bring two imperfect people together, and you try to say, be together, be married. And then it's like, oh, but there's this that he does, and there's this that she does, and it's like division, Right? And, uh, and so it's tough. Now add a bunch of people together, right? And everybody's got opinions on what needs to happen, right? I think this needs to go here. I think colors of carpet needs to be this. I think that, you know what I'm saying? Like all these choices that can be made, there's so many things that can bring division, right? My church, whenever I was in high school, split because the pastor bought a copier without asking. Yeah, don't, I mean, it didn't start, I mean, it started there, right? He did what? And then all of a sudden, like, a year later, we're all in a business meeting and everybody's voting to kick him out or keep him. That's what happens whenever you've got, yeah, right, laugh. It's for real though, right? There have been there have been dumber reasons that, that churches have been split and divided. But let's talk about this for just a second because I want to make sure that we are on the up and up. I want to make sure that we are protecting one another from division in the church, all right? So now let's talk about just for a second dangers and effects of divisiveness, okay? So divisiveness, number one. I want to put this up here on the screen for you guys, is divisiveness, it is self-centered and not Christ-centered, all right? Anytime that there's divisiveness in the church is because there is a self-centeredness and instead of a Christ-centeredness, right? The church, we are not supposed to be focused inward, we are supposed to be focused outward. Whenever we are focused outward, that brings unity as we all go And we make disciples and we share Christ with people. But whenever there is a self-centeredness, it causes us to look inward and that brings a whole, whole lot of division. Um, Division is a work of the flesh, okay? Division is a work of the flesh. And I want us to understand that it's my way versus my way, right? You got this person my way, this person my way, and it's a work of the flesh and not the spirit. How many of you guys like to bake? Anybody in the room like to bake? all the time, good. like to bake, I like to bake, I think it's a lot of fun, Um, and it's fun to follow recipes and all that kind of stuff, and whenever you bake something, right, uh, you cannot uh, look at the picture and go, I want this, and then put whatever ingredients you want in there and expect it to still look like this, right? It takes these specific, if you want what's in the picture, it takes these specific ingredients. Don't deviate. I mean, you can take out the onions, amen. But if it's anything else, right, don't mess with that. Like, put all of that in there. And if, because if you just decide I'd rather do these, but I want it to look, that's ridiculous. You can't do that, right? Well, it's the same thing in church. You can't expect a unified church if you're trying to put other ingredients in there besides the ingredients that bring unity. And so what are some ingredients that bring unity, right? We'll look in Galatians chapter five, verse 22. It says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love. These are great ingredients, by the way, for a unified church. Fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness self-control right these are all really good ingredients for a unified church it's hard to have a divided church when everybody is joyful peaceful patient kind to one another good to one another they're faithful they're gentle to one another they're in they're they're in control of themselves it's hard to have a divided church whenever those kinds of things are the recipe right that's what you're going to have is a unified church whenever that happens But listen to the recipe for an unhealthy church. One that has the fruits of the flesh, right? This is rotten fruit. So this is what it says uh, in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It says, listen to these ingredients. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension. What's the next one? Division. Division. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. All those things that we just read right there, you cannot say, I would like a unified church, but this is what I want to do. This is what's going to make up my life. Or make up the life of the church, within the church, and then expect that you're going to have a unified church. That's just not going to happen, right? In fact, all of those are a recipe, if you catch this in verse 19, what he said, all of those are a recipe for a person who doesn't truly know Christ, all right? In 19, it says, for there, in 1 Corinthians eleven nineteen, 19, for there must be factions or divisions among you. Why? In order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So the people that actually are divisive in the church, he's like, you know what? It's kind of good that it's there because then we can see who's the unbelievers and who are the believers, who are really truly saved and who aren't. Right? This is what he's saying right there. And so, uh, those things are all recipes for an unhealthy church. Uh, but did you catch that? One of the, the thing that was in there, one of those words in there, was the sin of division. Has anybody ever talked about that before? The sin of division. But it is right I know it's in a whole list of things and I know that like you're looking in that and going, holy smokes like those are things like people are doing and you miss division because division's just kind of thrown in there and it's something that you really don't think about very often but he's saying division is is a sin right and that's something that we've got to stay away from uh, number two, I want you guys to see that divisiveness will also ruin a church divisiveness will ruin a church it will render a church ineffective for the gospel by turning it inward instead of outward and giving it a bad name among the people right our whole our whole theme for this book is represent right because paul was looking at the church in corinth and he was going guys you are not representing the gospel well at all at all and i want you to represent the gospel well so i'm going to give you a bunch of instructions so that you can do that that's what we're called to do is represent and if there's division within our church then we are not representing the gospel well To the people out there. Let me ask you this. Like, if you're about to get married, okay? About to get married, all right? And uh, all of a sudden, okay, you find out, you like meet the in laws, like who are gonna be your future in laws, and let's say that you go over for like Thanksgiving dinner or something, okay? And you're over there and you're like, oh, hey, everybody, like I'm meeting everybody. And then they are just like fighting all the time, like cats and dogs. Like, I mean, they are just fighting each other, and you're sitting there going, what is happening, right? How many of you guys, that might be a recipe for being like, well, I'm probably not going to get into this family. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that might happen. you got to really like know like this is the one, okay? Because nobody goes to something like that and then goes, yeah, let's be a part of that, right? Well, same thing happens out there. They're not going to see us fighting. They're not going to see all this division going on in the church and they be like, sounds like a place for me. Been looking for a church home. Let's go, right? Not one person it's going to do that in the right. In fact, everybody else is going to leave too, right? Because we don't want to be a part of something like that. Um, and so we can ruin a church. I want you guys to see uh, scripture constantly warns against division. Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Uh, read this scripture with me. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, all right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, which is what we talked about earlier, um, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. Listen to this, church. Don't just picture this written to them. Picture this written to us as well, okay? By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind, and the same judgment. What's the same mind? We're going to look like Jesus and we're going to go share Jesus with everybody else. Yeah, that's, that's the same mind and the same judgment of one another. We're going, to, we're going to rebuke anything that's not of God and we're going to seek those things that are holy, right? That's what we do as a church. And uh, in Philippians chapter 4 verse 2, I don't know if you, I, I wouldn't want to be these two, right? Um, it, 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 actually, Paul calls, straight calls out two people in the Bible for division by name. Alright? That's like these people aren't in the Bible anywhere else. You made it because of this. Alright? Right here. Right? It says, Philippians 4:2 I entreat Yodia and entreat Sintik, we're just making things up, to agree in the Lord. Right? Now, and the, here it is in the New Living Translation. Now I appeal to Yodia and Sintik, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they're known for. And you know what he says? He says that because he's like because these two people they have been instrumental in sharing the gospel. He's like they have been instrumental, in, and now they're not getting along. So he decides, oh, let me call them both out, right, and and make sure that you tell them. And then God said, no, this is my word. Actually, it was canonized in there forever in scripture as the two people that didn't get along, right? But that's how serious this is. God is always in scripture warning us against division. He's like, don't do it. Don't be divided, all right? Settle your disagreements, okay? Um, And and the third one, divisiveness should be confronted and not ignored, all right? So it's self-centered, it's not Christ-centered. It will ruin a church, and divisiveness should be confronted and not ignored, okay? That's what happened whenever I was in high school with that church. The divisiveness that was going on was just being looked over. It was being ignored, and it started to fester, and then it started to become something um, that it destroyed a church, basically. Uh, In Titus chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. Wow, what a strong word for that, right? Have nothing to do with them. And we talked about church discipline not too long ago, and that's kind of what he's talking about right here. And so um, we can't, you can't be, and this is something that, you know, the Lord has taught me, is you can't be a passive leader about division in the church. You can't be that, right? Not only are you guys supposed to protect one another from division, but if I see division start to creep up and I start to look out there and say, this is the cause for the division, it's not my job to sit back and go, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, I don't want them to stop coming to church. No, we're not playing games. Like, church is not a game. Church is something that, that Christ died for, all right? So it's not a game, and I have to look at that and I have to say, okay, where are the divisions coming from? And that's something that I'm going to have to do, right? As Mike is an elder of this church, as Cade is an elder of this church, right? They are called to watch out and protect this church from division. That's what they're called to do for you guys as well. And so whenever something happens, you can't just look over it. We we have to, have to talk about that. Now, there is a difference between disagreement and division, right? Is it okay to disagree? Sure it is. Can we have a church of people who disagree on certain things? Absolutely. And can we love each other? Yes. Can we serve with one another? Absolutely. We can do those things, right? Especially these non-essential things. Now, if we're not agreeing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, nobody comes to the Father except through him, well, then there's probably not going to be a lot of things we can do together. Um, but if, if, like, for instance, um, you know, last week whenever we were speaking about uh, the headship of a man over a woman, right? And this beautiful design that God has created in all of that. Uh, you know, there are, some, there are some people that I am friends with that would completely disagree with me on certain things, right? There are people, let, let's just say this for a second, there might be someone in the room That is like, no, I think that infant baptism is legit, right? Maybe. Maybe someone in the room. And I would then go, I don't necessarily agree with that. But you know what's going to happen? We're going to love each other. We're going to serve Jesus. We're going to, am I right?
1: Like, why not,
0: right? Because the same people out there are lost and they're dying and dying. We have the same gospel that we're going to go and we're going to share. And so there will be disagreements, right? There will be disagreements. And that's okay. Let's talk about them. But let's not get angry with one another let's not be divisive about those things right and and by the way let me just say this if there is anything that you're like i just don't agree with don't ever sit on that don't ever do that because that's where the enemy really starts to work and things start to fester and then you start to think all kinds of things and then this division really kind of starts to be birthed from that if there's something that you disagree with someone else on Please, for the love of your brother and sister in Christ and the love of the gospel of our church and the mystery of our church, talk to each other about that. And that's a, like, hear one another's heart on it, right? Don't demonize a person because they disagree with you on something. But see them as a brother or sister in Christ. And let's work on that together, right? Um, but if there is division that is happening, there's got to be action that's taken against it, right? And finally, I'll give you um, this scripture on division. It's Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. It says this. A dishonest man spreads strife, causes conflict, right? And a whisperer or a gossip separates close friends. Guys, we are to be like close friends in here and we fight for each other and we don't try to separate one another. That is not honoring to the Lord and that is not good for the name of the gospel at all, all right? And, uh, and, and we certainly... Uh, should make each other better and not worse and we don't humiliate and we don't alienate each other we give each other a sense of belonging because we are all one in christ i'm going to show you guys this scripture and i love it because this should just be like our church's like theme scripture right here okay it's philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 8 and it says this says is there any encouragement from belonging to christ any comfort from his love any fellowship together in the spirit are your hearts tender and compassionate then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose don't be selfish don't try to impress one another or others be humble thinking Of others as better than yourselves don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had who who, by the way in the world had the most right to like brag or be haughty about anything it was Jesus all right but listen to this you must have the same attitude that Jesus had what was his attitude though he was God He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That's how you bring unity. That's how you bring unity. That's how we can bring unity to one another is by imitating Christ's humility, all right? And uh, and again, we're family. Families are going to have disagreements. But one thing we're not going to be is dividing, okay? We're not going to do it. Um, now, Paul's about to drop a, uh, a bomb here with a pretty strong statement, all right, in this next section. And, uh, and one they needed to hear, and I truly think that uh, it's also one uh, that people in our country especially who call themselves Christians uh, need to hear, all right? I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the term Christian is kind of losing its meaning. Yes. It is. Like, if you walk up to someone and you say, I'm a Christian, that really doesn't say a whole lot anymore. All right? Because a lot of people call themselves Christians, right? So so let's look at this for a second, because he's speaking directly to those people that call themselves Christians, all right? Um, so here we are in verse uh, 20 uh, through 22, and let's look at this. It says, When you come together... It's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Now, somebody needs to get Paul a cake because he's super mad right now, okay? But here's the thing. Let's get some context here for just a second, all right? Because context is always key to interpreting scripture, all right? And uh, so as a part of the worship service that they partook in, uh, they, they partook in the Lord's Supper, right? As part of the worship service. But before the Lord's Supper, they entered into something called a love feast, right? And we mentioned that briefly whenever we were going through Advent. But uh, it, that was something that they, and, and you're like, what is that? What is a love feast, Right? Let me explain it to you just for a second. In fact, I'm going to use like a real world example of this because I met a lady uh, this past week um, that, you know, I know I'm preaching on this and then this lady just brought this up and I was like, wow, that is such a great example. Uh, So her name is Mrs. Lewis. She's 73 years old and uh, and, and this was last week. I was uh, coming home. It was one of those late nights nice, and it was like nothing you know nobody wants to cook dinner and so i'm gonna go pick up dinner so i head over to number one garden there on pp and uh get some chinese food right and uh, miss lewis was going into the restaurant at the same time i was she's got her walker and uh and she's just standing by the door and i walk up to the door and she's like can you please open that door for me and i said 1000 percent, yes i will so you know i'll open the door for her we go inside and and she's looking over the menu she tells me i can go first and everything and so i order my food and and, and the people behind the counter are, are struggling to hear her because of her volume so i'll help her order her food as well and uh, and then all of a sudden i mean she is just a sweet lady she's got this very soft countenance about her she's just a very very sweet lady. you can tell that she's like lived in the neighborhood for a really long time you know and uh, just a really great and then the opposite person walks in the room okay and 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 it was somebody that i've seen in the neighborhood before it's a lady who was constantly on the streets asking for money and asking for food and stuff Uh, but she does it in a way that's very brash and very kind of like harsh and uh like like i saw her in the grocery store the other day and uh the lady was like i'll buy you some food and she was like what can i buy you she goes what can you buy me? I'm pretty expensive. I'm pretty high maintenance. And you're just like, and the lady actually said, you know, never mind. <laughs> and walked out, right? And walked out. Well, the lady, she came walking in again, kind of with the same mo, And she looks at this, she looks at me first and she's like, Hey, do you got a couple extra dollars? Um, you know, I need to give me something to eat. And I was like, uh, I, I really didn't like I had only that much cash and I gave it to the people because they're cash only the chain. But anyways, but it was like, it was like just cash only, right? And so I was like, I gave them all my cash. I felt bad, but part of me didn't, right? Lord, forgive me. But, uh, but it was just like, man, like there's a way to do this, right? And there's not a way to do this. You're really good at the way not to do this. And uh, anyway, she looks over at the 73-year-old woman and she looks at her and she goes, Hey, mama, you got any money for me? I was like, we're about to see a fight. <laughs> and, and she kind of looks at her, the 73-year-old woman, and she's like, what do you need? And she's like, I just would like some food. And she's like, But I'm expensive. I like shrimp. And uh, the lady was like, She goes, So I bought fifteen dollars. And uh, and the lady was like, Well, I'm on a fixed income, and so I can't really afford that. But I will help you with something. And she gets out her like coin purse. You know what I'm saying? Like she's just a sweet lady. And she pulls out this cash and she gives it to this lady. And uh, and and you know, and then the lady kind of was like, That's all you got? She, she was like. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna give you today, and, and uh, I was like, man, this woman is great. And uh, so she walks out, and I looked at her in the face, and I just said, "You are a very sweet person." And uh, and she kind of looked up at me, and she goes, "Well, I'll tell you what, the Lord's blessed me, and so I feel like I can bless others." And uh, and I thought that's incredible. And I said, "So I take it you're a Christian woman then?" And she said, "I am." And uh, I said, "Well, uh, well." I didn't say I am too. I'm not a Christian woman, but I was like, you know, I, I was like, well, I'm a Christian too, right? You know, I was like, actually, Pastor of Church in the area got got, and her eyes just kind of lit up, and uh, we just had a great conversation right there. And she goes, you know, I was taught at a very young age, and I love teaching people how to eat on a budget. And, and she goes, because I, I grew up eating on a budget, and uh, and I was like, is that right? And she said, yeah. She said, let me tell you what we used to do in this neighborhood. I love it when people start stories like that because I'm like, tell me everything. <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, let me tell you what we did. Whenever we were um, younger, um, we would, uh, in the neighborhood, it would just be whatever anybody had, we would just bring it. We would say, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to all meet together at this time. And she said, if, if these people had like an abundance of potatoes that day, they're going to bring extra potatoes. If these people had cabbage, they're going to make some cabbage soup. They're going to bring that. And everybody, if they had a little bit of excess, they're just going to bring what they have, and we're all going to eat together. And this is what she said. And I'll never forget this. She said, we wouldn't ever let anybody go hungry. We would never allow it. Never allow anyone to go hungry. And, of course, my brain goes immediately to this. And I'm like, that is a love feast. That is what that is. That is what they were partaking in in that moment. And I looked at her, and I said, wow, that is that is the book of Acts right there, taking care of one another, and that's what the church is supposed to do. And I walked away. I just said, thank you so much for being a blessing, like, to me in my life. I'm so glad that I met you. And uh, I gave her a Hope community card, and and then she looked at me, and she goes, 917? And started telling her her phone number, and I was like, ah. Uh, like, I can't remember this. Like how am I gonna? But uh, just so, just just such a sweet person. I just thought, man, that's what it is. And see, that's that's what that's what was going on at the beginning. That's how this thing started out. That's how it was meant to happen. Like the church. Like yeah, you you may not have something, but I may. Whatever you have, why don't you bring? I'll bring whatever. We're not gonna let each other go hungry. We're not gonna allow it. But then perversion starts to set in here in the church. And people started to use this as a divisive thing. And they started to say to one another, no, you don't have, but I have a lot. So I'm going to bring everything I have. And then you had people that were just gorging on the food that they would bring. And they were getting drunk all while the people who had less than were over here being humiliated at the gathering for not having anything. And Paul's looking at that and going, what are you doing? What are you doing? And and, and and what he says to them is actually incredibly shocking right but jump down to verse 27 uh, just for a minute because it says this this is where he he kind of goes to he says whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner that's what that's what he's accusing them of will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord all right so in other words they're sinning against the body and of Christ, but they're also sinning against the body and the blood of Christ whenever they um, are doing this before they partake in the Lord's Supper. So they're coming together in this love feast. They're divided. One group treating the other with disrespect, completely humiliating them. They're stuffing themselves, and then look what Paul says in verse 20. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper. He's like, you're starting this thing out with this quote-unquote love feast? And then you're going to tell me that you're going to then just turn around and partake in the Lord's Supper. He's like, look, it may look like the Lord's Supper, right? It may, it may taste like the Lord's Supper. It may have the elements, but it is not the Lord's Supper that you're partaking in. And listen, I think that's a really strong message uh, for us today. Um, we used to live in um, the great state of Louisiana. And, uh, and and one thing that it's actually going on right now, I think, I think it is it's Mardi Gras season, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, one thing that's going on right now is Mardi Gras, and everybody thinks Mardi Gras. You think New Orleans. You think like partying. You think like you know all that kind of stuff. It's like that. But like, there's a good part of Mardi Gras, right? And that's like the fun little parades and stuff. And then there's like king cake, <laughs> all right? That's the really good part of Mardi Gras. <laughs> and uh, but then you guys didn't bring any with you, did you? Yeah. No? Okay. All right. Cool. That's fine. Um, but uh, but you also have this other side, which was like the religious side of of Mardi Gras. And that, I cannot tell you how much that got into my skin. Because you have these people, right, in the name of religion, right, in the name of Christianity. Um, the whole idea was is that you've lived it up and you partied it up on Fat Tuesday, right? Whenever you see, like, New Orleans and you think, like, Mardi Gras and you see, like, beads and you see like a bunch of like debauchery like the Bible says right you see all of that that's going on on something called Fat Tuesday right and all these people are just living up why because the next day is going to be Ash Wednesday and so they can be forgiven of all of the things that they did in that before right and so then that, that ushers in the season of Lent right and that's where they're going to fast for something for about 40 days right and, and, and so it's like the idea is like live it up Because you're going to get some ashes on your forehead. You'll be forgiven for those things that you did the previous night before. And they're just going through. And you know what Paul would look at those people and say? You are not participating in Ash Wednesday. You are not participating in Lent. You are not. Because you are not coming with the right motives, right? And Jesus speaks to this kind of like religious activity. In Matthew chapter 15 verse 8 He's like talking to the religious leaders of the day And uh, who are just kind of going through the motions of telling everybody else how to live But they're not living it themselves and, um, and so Jesus kind of reveals to them That the words that Isaiah prophesied about Were written about them He says These people draw near to me with their mouth And honor me with their lips But their heart is far from me Right? And so please hear me say this Whatever religious words come out of your lips or whatever actions come from your body, religious actions that come from your body, it's meaningless if your heart is not behind it as well. It is absolutely meaningless, right? David in the Bible knew it. We kind of hit on this on Wednesday night, you know, in a time where people were kind of bringing sacrifices to God while living in a way that completely dishonored him. Listen to what David's words are in Psalm chapter 51, verse 16. He says, you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings, right? These things aren't going to fix his problem. He says, my sacrifice, O oh God, is what? A broken spirit and a broken and contrite or a repentant heart, you will not reject. That's what he's looking for. He's never looked for just your work. He's never looked for just the motions of getting through it. He wants the heart, right? And the prophet Isaiah knew it. And we actually read this on Wednesday night Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11. He says, What makes you think I want all of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I am sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. And then in verse 16, he says, wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the right of widows. Today, a lot of people will do whatever they want, but the sacrifices just look a little different. We're still making sacrifices, and we're hoping they're going to do the same thing that those people hoped would happen. They just look a little different today, right? Maybe the sacrifice today is, I'll go to church. I know a lot of people who are like, I'm just going to live it up how I want to, but as long as I go to church on Sunday, I'm good to go, right? God's going to honor that. Um, or, or maybe the sacrifices is I'll give some money. Surely that's gonna please the Lord, my money. Or I'll pray these prayers or pray. Or I'll I'll confess these things, or I'll participate in the Lord's Supper, because that's a godly thing to do, right? But hear these words of the Lord. It may look like church, but it's not. It may look like an offering, but it's not. It may sound like prayer, but it's not. It may look like a baptism, but it's not. It may look like you're worshiping and sound like you're singing, but you're not. It may look like obedience, but it's not. Look, if we, if we are just doing those things with no heart for God at all behind it, We have no true love for him at all, but we really, and and by the way, we live our lives day in and day out, truly show the love that we have is for ourselves. Don't think that God is going to be pleased with us whenever we just show up to church and we pray and we lift our hands in worship. Those are just sacrifices. And let me tell you, he he is not pleased in those things. He's pleased with a broken spirit and a contrite heart, a repentant heart. That's what he's looking for, right? And I'm not saying church should be filled with perfect people, right? It's not. No one in here is perfect. But the point of the passage is don't fool yourself into thinking that your religious actions will put you in good standings with the Lord, right? He's looking for somebody who's going to cry out, God, I'm, I'm nothing but a, a wretched, sinful person, undeserving of your grace. And Lord, I, I, I willingly submit myself to you because of the mercy that you've shown me. Because of the grace that you've shown me. And God, I, I mess up all the time. That I don't even feel right about singing right now. I don't even feel right about praying right now. Because I know the sin that's in my life. But God's more, God's more pleased with that prayer than any religious activity that you're gonna show with no heart behind it. He's gonna be more pleased with that every single time, alright? And that is so that's backed up in scripture all over the place, alright? And so he wants wants everyone just to take their faith that they put in themselves in their actions and place that faith in Jesus instead, all right? So empty religion will get you nowhere, and look at where it was getting them in verse 30. It says, that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Wow, that is a very strong statement, but let's understand together that the Lord is not going to be mocked, all right? He is not going to be mocked. They want to live in open rebellion to God in their heart during the week and then come in for worship. But Paul is saying the Lord will not be mocked. So we've got to be really careful about that. Um, and so so then what is the instruction that he gives them, right? In verse 28, he says this, let a person examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That, that, that phrase, examine himself. So this is what he's telling me. He's like, man, you guys are are treating each other like dirt, and then you're taking the Lord's Supper. And people are dying, and people are sick, and they're not, they're weak because you guys are are mocking the Lord in this way. And then he says, this is what you need to do. Before you partake in the Lord's Supper, every person needs to examine themselves. Examine themselves. And we're going to take it here in just a second. And, uh, and we're going to examine, I want all of us to examine ourselves in the moment, because I mean, ain't nobody gonna come to the table, right? <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in a manner that's not worthy of the Lord, right? After this. But uh, but whenever he says examine yourself, there's a couple things I'll, that I, I want us to examine. Um, number one, I think the, thing, the first thing we need to examine is, am I truly a Christian? Mm-hmm. That's the thing we need to examine first. Do I truly belong to Christ? Like, is there a time in my life where I truly repented of my sins and put my faith in Christ look let me just share with you something nobody's born a Christian all right a lot of times I'll have conversations with people and say I'll be like hey so when did you when were you, when did you become a Christian I was born that way like I've kind of grown up in the church that's not that's not the right answer right like has there ever been a time in your life where you have put your faith in like you, you've you've submitted yourself before the Lord you've put yourself before the Lord and you said God, I'm a sinner that is in need of a Savior. And God, I, I can't do anything to, to cleanse myself from these things. But Father, I, need, I want to put my faith and trust in Christ and his work on the cross. And I want to submit my life to you and I want to follow you. Like, has there been a moment in your life where you've confessed with your mouth that he is Lord? Not as a given thing, but as a as a thing you've done. Like I, I, this is what I'm doing. I'm confessing you as the Lord of my life, and I believe that Christ died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead, and I believe that that covers me. I believe that 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 my sins are placed upon Him and His righteousness has been placed upon me. Like, has there been a time when you've done that? Because if there hasn't been a time when you've done that, then you've not you're not truly a Christian. You're somebody who calls themselves a Christian. Like you're part of the you're part of a, a club by name only. Right? And that's it. So we've got to examine: Am I truly a Christian? And if so, the second one: Am I coming to the Lord with a repentant heart? Am I coming to Him with a repentant, not a perfect heart? Right? Nobody's going to be coming to Him with a perfect heart. But asking ourselves the question: Is there a rebellious spirit in me in any way? Is there any cherished sin in my life? Any unconfessed sin? Any sin in my life that I secretly love and I don't want to give up. Because if that's the case, then refrain. Refrain from taking it. Don't do it. Do not mock the Lord in this, right? That's what he's saying to do, okay? And maybe that's something that we all need to do is is just pray that same prayer that we talked about last week that David prayed. When he said, God, search my heart. See if there's anything in me that is not of you. Reveal that to me and then lead me in the way everlasting. Maybe that's what we need to pray. He's got to reveal those things to me, and so that we can, in that moment, repent from those things, right? And, uh, and so we're going to go into um, the Lord's Supper, which you'll notice there, you know, in this section of Scripture that we haven't gone over yet. This is what we're going to read as we do this. Um, and, uh, and so I want to do that right now, but as we have the privilege of partaking in the Lord's Supper, um, maybe you ask the question, why do we do this? Like, why is this a part of church? has anybody ever asked that question before like i'm i'm super like that like i'm like why why like why are we doing that um and the answer is because christ instituted you know two of what we call sacraments all right Uh, two things that we are to observe number one is baptism okay um and uh and and so you know what we believe is that you are baptized once you have been born again quote unquote born again that's that moment that i was talking about you've given your life to christ that you follow in what we call Believer's Baptism, you're then baptized. And I would just ask in the room, um, maybe you are saved, and maybe you have given your life to Christ, you've not been baptized before, Uh, well then come and talk to me about that. I would love um, to help you with that and get that in order. Um, And so we do that, we identify with Christ uh, through baptism uh, to show a picture of what has happened in our life, buried with Christ, raised to walk in of life. And he instituted the Lord's Supper. And he did this so that we would always remember what Christ has done for us to save us. Do you guys ever need just like a re-centering? You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about like yoga view, like yoga center, right? No, that's what I'm talking about. Like, just like you've, been, you've been just, your brain has gone all different directions throughout the week, right? And you've just, you've just, you just are at your wit's end almost. And there's almost like a need for us just to recenter, center right? and, and that's what this does. And, and, and coming to church hopefully does that as well. But whenever we take this and we look at this and, and, and we go through this scripture and what represents the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, man, it doesn't matter what has happened that week, it doesn't matter what's coming the next week, we know that everything's good. We know that we're saved. We know that we're okay. And we know who our God is and how much he loves us, right? And sometimes we just need to be recentered. Um, in that. And so, um, in verse 26, you know, it says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Right? And so, this was never meant to be a ritual, ever. This was always meant to be a reminder. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, please visit our website at hopecommunitynyc.com.